Gay SA Radio, where you are family. In this series, we listen to the discussions that were held during the South African LGBTI Business Summit, setting an LGBTI economic empowerment agenda. The summit was held at the Equinox Center at the Absa Capital in Santon in Johannesburg on Tuesday the 11th of September 2018. The purpose of this inaugural South African LGBTI Business Summit is to position LGBTI economic muscle in the business sphere by making a strong business case for the economic inclusion of LGBTI people and, by doing that, open up new business and other economic empowerment opportunities for LGBTI people. Discussions during the summit will demonstrate how this can be done, identify opportunities to make it happen and craft strategies to overcome obstacles. In Session 7, the topic was Enabling Trade Unions and Employee Affinity Groups to Become Champions of LGBTI Workplace and Supply Chain Inclusion. Trade unions have historically been champions of social and economic justice in South Africa, but have done little to champion LGBTI economic inclusion. At the same time, LGBTI employee affinity groups have emerged as special interest groups mostly amongst office-based employees in blue-chip corporates. The session explored what strategies can be used to broaden the worker advocacy base for LGBTI workplace and supply chain inclusion. We apologize for some of the sound quality. I'm not doing justice firstly to myself and I'm not doing justice 
second into the organization because I'm now going to be constantly, you know, checking out the corner who's seeing me, who doesn't see me, and so forth. So for me, that was very important. And to also assist other people within the, the, the organization to actually be able to be themselves, to bring them whole selves to the office. Um, so, just so specifically, could you tell us about what you specifically do? So, so I am um, the founder and chairperson of the Shell LGBTI network in South Africa, for Shell Downstream, South Africa. And, yes. Next question. Okay. Oh. So, like, like when you've got the invitation and like the whole title around trade unions and LGBTI people, what does it mean for you? What were you thinking about? What are the things you want to push in the discussion? Um, look, the first thing is I'm not sure whether you can a good opportunity for such to, to, to network now that we are starting to uh, seriously uh, deal with LGBTI uh, issues in the in the union. By the way, uh, I am a national office bearer of of of, of uh, My position is, is, is gender. So amongst other things that I must do is to work on issues of inclusivity and. Uh, so I thought uh, for, for, for us as an organization to be able to take this way forward, it's important that we must come to forum, forums like this so that we're able to get information and be able to uh, uh, put more, more, more work on, on issues of LGBTI. Because my, my belief is it's only through education we can be able to change perceptions and stereotypes. Thank you. Uh, I'm from Africa, from Swazi. <coughs> I'm actually representing the Southern Africa Miners Association, who are mostly migrants. Normally, we have been classified as people and that's where there's the people are, I mean, the people within the LGBTI community. So, within that space, we've been actually trying to work together and trying to, to bridge each other on part of human rights. And uh, you will basically maybe know that when you are a previously you used to work in the mines for a very long period away from the federal sectors. And you know for sure that uh, the only person that you will see is another man. And for a period of time we've been doing their life. And then now we are in the spaces in the community to our countries, we get us up on what best can we do for those communities and also try to change what has been happening in the workplace. Surely you will know that within uh, the civil society, because our organization is part of the civil society, the organization that is represented in seven countries, which is Botswana, Mesopotamia, Swaziland, Mozambique, Namibia, Malawi, and so within that spaces, we've been actually in contact with the, the LGBTI community. And in fact, we were looking at how we can ensure that we are all inclusive in programming and as well as other human rights aspects in which we are protected. So it actually played within that, that, that field and ensuring that uh, whether it's a, a key population, whether it's LGBTI or migrant or migrants, they could access to basic health services. Thank you for that. And guys, also, um, like I said, we're going to feed folks, so feel free to send things up to the and we can continue and we can ask your questions or comments, right? Um, thank you for that, Penelope. So, um, just for, for me, like, let me just add something like when I got the whole, the, the whole thing around like, tricking into LGBTI, and for me, I must admit, like, it seems like trade unions, LGBTI, trade unions, it's quite, in South African history, the word trade unions, it sort of like stands, you know, um, you throw us quite sometimes even, because when you think trade unions, you think people who specifically and usually are quite, um, quite, quite, quite pronounced in terms of saying about injustices. And that in terms of like the rights, let's talk about the rights. It is inclusive. Where are the other groups of people? And 
for me, to be honest, I've never necessarily actually put LGBTI people in the same line as trade unions. Because LGBTI people and the LGBTI work that we do, it's often not, you know, the issues are often not put forward. You know, you talk about race, it's very pronounced. You talk about gender issues, it's very pronounced. But LGBTI usually does not really come across. So, but then, I think this is a start of a conversation in terms of, I think from your angle, for Shell, for instance, you get specifically had a network that specifically is about LGBTI issues and keeping, making sure that everything that goes in and out of the company is it inclusive or not, you know? Whereas, where aside to such saying the word is inclusivity, so they're looking at what they currently have and seeing how can we integrate LGBTI issues, not necessarily having a standalone LGBTI identity. You know what I mean? And lastly, when we're talking about that, you notice that if in deemed a key population, migrant workers are very vulnerable to different things, and so are the LGBTI. So in the line of the you go to say like both these groups are quite vulnerable and we can cluster it all together so that we can have more justice done to, you know, key population for instance. So that being said, I want to go back to your angle when you're talking around uh, you mentioned something very interesting that, you know, you work, when you work, you spend sort of like a third of your day there. So it's very important for you to actually be, do you mean to be out and proud or do you mean to be, what specifically do you mean around it when you want to get about being out about your sexual orientation? So, so, so for us, it's, it's, it's about, number one, the individual. You know, one has to always respect the individual in terms of uh, their choices. But we, as an organization, always say um, that the network wants to make sure that we have created a space where anyone who feels that they need to come out, they can come out. They do not have to be afraid that they will be discriminated against in terms of their career projections because one of the things that, and let's be honest, one of the things that a lot of people do not come out in the corporate space is because they're very afraid of the fact that my career projection is going to be stifled. I will not be able to grow as fast uh, um, as I can because of the fact that I am an openly self-identifying lesbian, transgender, gay man, um, and therefore I can't do this. It's about, about affirming, the space must be affirming that I can if I want to. If you want to. So if you feel that you're more comfortable, and, and, and come back to your one of the statements you, you talked about, races, races, you can see a person's race. You can see a person's gender to a certain extent, right? Or a person's sex. Let's rather say that. But sexual orientation, you cannot see. You know, it's one of those, um, it's one of those things that, uh, if, if you were to use the uh, iceberg uh, scenario, it's one of those things that are below the water. You can't see that. So there are certain people who would um, are openly gay, and you can actually see that this person is gay. Um, but you never know with sexual orientation, you know. It doesn't have a face. Exactly, it doesn't have a face. So the best thing that we can do as a company and as other corporates, you know, within, I mean, we've got the round table right now, which is a group of corporates that are, have got LGBTI plus infinity groups, whereby we sit around the table on a quarterly basis and we discuss what are the challenges and how do we create such environments so that anyone that comes in whether as a graduate, whether at middle management, at senior management, they are able to bring their whole self to work if they choose to do that. We don't we don't pull people and pluck them out of the closet. No, you can't do that. No, you don't say come out, come out. No. <laughs> the person needs to be you can only create an environment that is inclusive and then leave it to the person in terms of saying, Can I come out and be myself? Thank you for that impact. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing on the metal of the word, I mean the word itself coming out. It's a very quiet, sometimes it's very, it means to fit into different people. Like some people can be out in one space and not in the other space, and vice versa. And sometimes what are the functions and what are the positiveness around coming out? Should one come out? Should people shouldn't come out? And I love when you're saying like, you're not saying to people they must come out, come out however you are, because some people when they come out, it's at stake. Some people lose friends, some people lose lives. You know for just coming out. But then how do you also make sure that in that space, your space that says, basically it's okay to be who you are. 
and also highlighting the fact that you know what, you don't gay for a living, you don't lesbian for a living. It's just a part of who you are, you know. So, but Lord, oh, I want to go back uh, to the side in terms of like I'm here working with. I mean, it's teachers. You know, teachers are sort of like the backbone of everybody goes through a teacher. So it's a very, very, very um, an amazing space and a, and a huge opportunity to actually educate. All right. So, but what are the specific challenges that made you guys aware that you know what the LGBT agenda needs to now come to the table? As we were talking earlier on around that you're doing a lot of gender work, and then now the term become inclusivity. So, but, but what specific challenges that LGBT people um, went through, or what challenges that came to the part in you guys that I wanted to The first thing is when you because we also have the welfare side in the temples. Our messaging in terms of uh, HIV and AIDS does not does not include LGBT people take for for granted that uh, for same sex you you not have issues of HIV the second thing, uh, because the seminar is talking about economic empowerment of LGBTI people, people who, who, who are out and proud of, of who they are, they to be discriminated when they go for interviews uh, in terms of their, their, their progress. I can make an example. Um, I was called by a, a principal in case of death. She is she's a lesbian, identifying woman. And then what happened is she applied for a position of uh, the principal, uh, yeah, uh, to be a principal. And she performed well in, in, in that interview. But the problem was with the community. Uh, what happened is uh, when parents got to know that the principal of that particular school is a lesbian, then they voted with their food. Uh, meaning they took kids out of that school. So the numbers in terms of enrollment in that particular school went down because the parents believed that she will bring this demon to, uh, to the kids. Uh, that, 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 that's one of the things. The, the other thing that you get is uh, we, we had a seminar recently where we had LGBTI people. You uh, called them because we decided as an organization that you can't have a conversation and talk about people and they are not there to, to give you their views as, as, as people who are directly affected. And one of the participants in the seminar said, I aspire to be a district director at some point, but I am, I am stagnant at a point of a deputy principal because when I go for interviews, and the moment I enter into the room, I'm just before I even open my mouth. Because of like this one had you have about your sexual orientation or gender identity. And I mean linked to that you talk, you you mentioned something along the lines that you know sexual orientation, not a, like it was something that you see. But, and when it comes up with gender as well, I mean the gender you get different variations. There's some people who are like necessarily traditionally conforming to the gender or whatever things, but then when they work into a space already people are taking you know, that people start to question basically what are you what are you not? So Jay, can I just come in there? So, so one of the things that we did at Shell, um, because the the whole LGBTI plus um, uh, 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 affinity group is a journey. So one of the things that we took upon ourselves is the fact that we looked at our middle management and we said, these are the people that hire and fire. These are the people that actually put out those job skills and so forth. How can we train them and make sure that they're equipped and, and, and remove those unconscious biases? Because that's what it is to a lot of people. It is unconscious because it, it, it's, it's, it, it goes back to that whole thing of the, the school groups, um, the, the, the boys' clubs. I, I want people, I want to interview, I want to build a team with people who look, who sound like me, that I can relate to. Um, and one thing that we started doing is that we started challenging middle management to say if, if there is 10 of you in a team and all 10 of you think, look and, and do things the same, the other 9 are not required because then that team is not diverse 
and, and, and we started going through that. It has been a two-year journey, which has been pretty tough because you, you're really trying to change behavior and you want to bring out the unconscious biases. And we've started saying to people, start, start identifying that in yourself firstly and start calling people out in terms of those unconscious biases. Because we ask, we ask a simple question. If a person that I ask, I, I said, if a person comes in to the organization, it's a group of engineers, it's of the Irish a group of engineers, we do graphs, we do all of that. The person comes in, they don't look like you, they are wearing a full on suit, and they are wearing high heels. And you are interviewing them, and they're the best candidate. Will you take them home, or will you not? And they, they tell you, straight up, I'm going through a transition. In the next year, I'm not going to be a man, I'm going to be a woman, or vice versa. Will you hire them? You know? Um, and and it, was, it, it, was, it was sad in terms of the feedback that a lot of people had con unconscious biases saying that, no, I wouldn't. And, and, and the question then we asked is why? And most of it was based on fear. It was really based on fear. So with that came the fact that how do we then start addressing this within our organization and removing <coughs> the fear and, and really getting those people in the middle management to really come on board because it's very easy to get top management to buy it. <coughs> top management buys in quite, quite easy. But the people that hire and fire are people that, are, that you need to specifically work on. Thanks for this. Let's welcome for the panel and then I think this panel is really well positioned to address a, a complex issue. And the issue is that um, we, I think generally all agree that Organizing management level people in decision making, with decision making power in the private sector is really important. We've seen a whole lot of progress on that front. But how do we make sure that um, this doesn't reinforce a class based approach to organizing? So, in the world of work in general and in the economy in general, what do we need to do to make sure that um, this does not become something people who are in some way discriminated against but in another way privileged, benefiting at the expense of other workers? How do we make sure that there's a broad-based organizing and mobilization of people in the, in the world of work? so that we multiply the advocacy influence of LGBTI people, not in a class-based way. And all of the problems of some of the possibilities. I'll let her comment based on, on my background in that work. Uh, I, I'm sure that uh, I've been hearing the corporate and I've been hearing most of these that fall under the second class. Kind of uh, <coughs> society, but when you look going down to to the lower level, to the to those that are getting peanuts or well, those yes. that are low, lowly saying, it it falls back to the union they they are represented and as well as civil society, because most of the time you will find them that the. The, they are not aware of their rights. And because more information from my colleague from Shell, it's actually not going down to the community. So the response that I might have is that we need to create a space. We, we've got a, the, a group up there in corporate. And how can the group at corporate go down to the ground in order to, 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 to have a very strong campaign and that campaign is actually inclusive. Looking to how we, how we did from our level ground, we, we find that uh, whatever programming that we are doing on HIV, most of the time, the people who are living with, maybe with gays and lesbians, they were not part of the programming. And every programming that was tailored was tailored to suit only a class of the people. So we wanted to 
include them. So we address the structures, ensuring that they got the representation at that level. And then from that level, that representation was so meaningful in a sense that we even encourage them to start what we normally call it support groups. Because coming out is not a very simple thing that you can wake up tomorrow and say, I declare. But it's a process. You have to go to a process of accepting yourself. You have to, once you have accepted yourself and you, you, you've got a vision of yourself going forward, it is the time when you start to prepare yourself that you eventually disclose. And then after disclosing them that from your own, then before you can get out. So within that space, we ensured that the programming structurally has been addressed, and that actually covers most of these vulnerable employees or who has been opted maybe by the systems opted out, and those are the lower level class. And again, within that, we, we were able to support them. By supporting them, that is mean educating about LGBTQ and LGBT and as well as bringing awareness. In Swaziland, if you can, maybe I'll make an example, I won't talk about the other countries, but talking basically in Swaziland, you will know that the system of governance is totally different for other countries. We've got a very unique uh, constitution and other instruments, and maybe uh, that's what we basically talk about. And when you look at those instruments, they don't accommodate so it needs the advocacy. It cannot be the LGBTI community alone that can actually move that campaign. In order to have a successful campaign, the whole civil society and the family organization must understand actually move the campaign. And that's why we had the awareness building. It started with my organization. And then we move with the, with the, the small groups of uh, uh, LGBTI communities or organizations up until we have a, um, almost a stronger one. And then we recently had the meeting where we're bringing the, the church leaders in order to understand and also embrace and protect the rights of the people with require LGBTI. And then we move up until we had the first Pride March in Swaziland. It has never been happening before. It, it was very successful. We, it was like an eye-opening that the government has moved one half a step towards recognizing, recognizing human rights. So, yes, it needs that the top must lead to the bottom, so then we can all fight for the same cause. The rights that the corporate I mean, uh, experience must be the right that is experienced by the lower paid employee. And as well as in order to have the acceptance, there is a role that needs to be played by communities, which means families. So it's quite late. And yes. like other also, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about the word intersectionality because what you're talking about here is like not a person is not one thing. A person can be uh, LGBTI, can also be a migrant worker, can also be HIV positive. So there you have already three layers of where consideration needs to happen. So on that, on, on that note, sorry, like I know I, we're running out of time as well. So like I just wanted to move on to the just quickly say before the closing comment. Just want to go to. Yeah, my interest is on strategies. Your strategies can be employed around um, making sure that trade unions right, have, um, they do something around. Um, so basically, like solutions, what can we do? Yeah, what, 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 what can we do? Yeah. Because I, I was challenging Dokas at the summit and I said, Dokas, what does the constitution say? It is very ambiguous around sexual orientation. And how do we have constitutions of, of, of organizations like trade unions that don't correlate with what the constitution of the country say? And also, how do we reach the gap between the management and, and, the, and, 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 and the person pouring petrol? What you just say that, I mean, for instance, it, I'm talking about you because you just have a specific LGBTI network within your company. And using that example, somebody who's pouring petrol. Know, like 
Because people in the office, they get opportunities to be insensitized, to be affirmed, to be almost yeah, given that education. So, what, what is the next step for that person who's a federal attendant when also given the same opportunity? So, 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 so it's, as, as, as you say, it's, it's very layered. So, at corporate, we've done that. And what we've got as well, we've got our regional offices. So, we've gone to our regional offices, we've engaged with people in regional offices. Then we've also got our depots, where you find that within the depots, the, the smell of the place, that I'm use that, is totally different. Um, very male-dominated. When you come into that space and you start talking LGBTI, it becomes common. So we had to really relook the structure in terms of how do we engage at that level. And we had to select champions because it's easier if a person from there comes through and, you know, is, is, is a champion of LGBTI DNI. And, and, and how we've started with the engagement is that we talk about DNI, diversity and inclusion. We don't talk about LGBTI, we talk about DNI, we talk, we talk about gender, we talk about uh, uh, unconscious bias, we talk about all that, and we include LGBTI in that, in that space because then it becomes a broader spectrum. It's not us coming to feed them with the gayness. You know, exactly. And it's very important, important to talk about that. We talk about the four quadrants, you know, sexuality versus gender, sexual orientation, we talk about that. And then we, we leave the champion and we empower the champion to start the engagement at that level, to start having those lunch and learns, to have people talk about such an, an initiative. So as well, yeah, as well as, 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 as I mean, we, we found out that one of our service stations has got a, a, a gay man um, in, in Flathead, one of our service stations. Very, very, yeah, in Flathead, out of all places. And it, it was interesting, and, 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 and the owner of the garage came to us because he had seen that we have an LGBT sign. and said, I want you to sensitize the people at the garage about LGBT issues because you know, one of my stars at this garage is an OPD gay man. You know? So, so in that, on that, sorry, we're running out of time now. On that, I think also what's coming on strongly is the fact that education, 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 conversation, and understanding who's posting around what is so key, what is that. But also, alumni as well. You have to be very careful that like, when you introduce all these things, you have to you know, the people, here's the gay agenda, let's talk about the gay Yeah. Because that's the that stigmatizes people. So yeah. it needs serious integration of what's already existing. So then, I mean, for what you're talking about in terms of psychology, that structure, when, about teachers, especially when they find that the gay teacher, this panic, clearly there's a huge disconnection of understanding, then what do we do? Those conversations, what should they look like? So, so, I don't want to take on. So I want to, I, I want to talk about that, but I also want to bring the strategy part. So, for me, it's very important to. Um, one of the things that we did as a network, we we, we went through our uh, policies within the organisation with a fine tooth comb, and we started talking about things like the the uh, maternity policy, that it is not inclusive, and, and how do we make it inclusive? It talks about a woman. Uh, uh, it should talk about the primary caregiver and the secondary caregiver. You know what I mean? Uh, so it starts with that in terms of really looking at those and, and, and starting to have, even through the point where when we, we look at our um, uh, the process of, 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 of bringing in employees into Shell, the process of um, identifying uh, garage owners, which we call retailers, how do we identify them? Are they in line with the diversity and inclusiveness? of the organization. Are they in line with our ethics and compliance policies in terms of that? Because they are basically representing us as a brand. So from strategy point of view, it starts there. But at the same time, to Neville's point, in terms of you don't want it to be a class, class thing, it's about going down to your region and having those hard and crucial conversations in there. We have to go there and have those conversations with them in terms of saying, you know, this person they have their six hour shifts at a garage. So every day, six hours for about five days of the week, they are at work. 
And then you need to bring the whole self. If we say in head office, you need to bring your whole self to work but then at the regional and at the garage. I also want us to look at this, like, yes, on one level, it's amazing to push all the sectors to build affirming spaces. But then how do you also strike the balance of it not coming across as special attention? You know what I mean? You can bring issues to people and say, like, okay, fine, we get it, we accept people. But then why do... I mean, you get something as big as basic as people say, then do you get in separate toilets? Do you know things like that? So then it brought us on with special attention, special treatment. Which of course we know it's gotta be about equal treatment. But what I'm driving to, what I'm driving at here is this how do we try to strike that balance where we say if we find that at Friday hate, like they have a staff meeting for instance, every Monday, all the workers, and they talk about issues and challenges that are happening generally affecting them. Can one of those issues they include um, understanding people who are different in terms of gender? That's what I mean. Without necessarily calling it specifically gay session now. Now let's talk about the gays. So that we can make because then again sometimes we also want to we're speaking for people who maybe don't want us to speak for them. Because we might make other people even more vulnerable. Do you what? So we have to strike that balance and I want thoughts around that. And first in terms of like the side you. I mean, um, when you look at something like the teachers, you know, think you get you get teachers who are also LGBTI. You get students who are LGBTI. Research has been done where like a teacher could be LGBTI themselves, and when they see another openly um, student who's LGBTI, they actually even become harder on the you know the project stuff on students. So, but the teachers, as a teacher, are they protected as well? And the governing bodies as well. You know, how do we take the conversation all the way back to that hub, but also making sure that it also reaches the ground? But I think. Uh, Take it, for instance, in terms of education, coming to introduce, now that we have taken a step to be able to deal with issues that are, are inclusive, uh, we're going to a national congress and definitely one of the things that we will need to amend there is our constitution, so that it talks to, it talks to uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's inclusive. It's inclusive, yes. Uh, because there's a disconjuncture between the gender policy that talks about LGBTI issues and the constitution of the union does not address that. So we have to close that anomaly. And the Congress is the only place where we can be able to do it. And I promise you we'll do that. Uh, the second thing is, um, look, we, 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 in, in, in conversations we have parents who are not necessarily gay, but have children who are, who, who are LGBTI and they, they're not they're not sure what to do uh, 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 in terms of uh, protecting them and supporting them and all those things. Those are the things that we, we got when we have conversations when we talk about inclusivity. And like you say, uh, it's not like we go and say, now we talk about LGBTI issues, we talk about inclusivity uh, in general. As I said, we're addressing issues of people living with albinism, uh, people living with disability because this these are issues that the organization, I think for a long time, has been shying away to, to, to deal with. But the other thing that I think that we, we must do as an organization is to go back to our schools because uh, many of the policies that we have in our schools are old-fashioned. Uh, they were adopted in 1920. They still use them now. Because one thing that is used for exclusion, for instance, is uniform in our schools. Uh, we get a lot of cases. We got a case two years ago when, where a child could not write examinations because he preferred to wear a trouser instead of a, a skirt and lo lost the whole year uh, because of that. And those are the things that we, we need to address. But we'll, we'll bring them in terms of addressing human rights issues and issues of, of, of of, of inclusivity because there are parts that I think we're not addressing as an organization. Uh, when we go to negotiations, uh, we, we, we discuss like uh, there's a man and a woman and, and nobody else. Uh, the binary way of Yes. yes. Uh, and the resolutions that come out of bargaining uh, addresses the two and do not address any other person that can exist and identify uh, differently. So we thought what we must do is to, for instance, have workshops and have 
partnerships with organizations that deal with LGBTI issues so that we, we also address that issue. Then when we go to uh, bargaining, we, we, we open-minded. We don't think of, when you think of maternity leave, you don't think of people who are going to adopt and, and all uh, uh, kind of, of... So it's sort of like, unfortunately, we also, it's sort of like we need to also relearn certain things. Exactly. And then when we have to unpack it and then put it together again. Exactly. And it's going to be a difficult task, of course, because people, especially those those laws have been made, people are going to be, it's going to be difficult for them to let go of them. But I think the point becomes education and sensitization and around making people understand, see the other side, and see basically, not just even the other side, but actually the whole platform, the whole, you know, rainbow, so to speak. Because, I mean, the idea is that people tend to think it's around, I mean, the issue just used about it's going to be, people will quickly forget about communicating, and it's actually maybe not. It could be a trans issue. So but people don't understand the difference between gay issues and trans issues. So how do we unpack that? How, how do, in, in any meeting, basically, there's a meeting talking about gender, whatever thing, how do we talk about all types of genders, including straight people, all types of whatever, because then that sort of like normalizes every way of being. So that, that policy maker, when he's drafting something, he knows that, you know what, it's not just about cis, me being cis heterosexual, but what about people who are the opposite of what I am? That's the speech to them as well. So it's about those little, little strokes. Sorry, you, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, and then we'll go back to you. We've got about 10, more, ten minutes left. So looking, looking at yeah, what my colleague has been saying as well as uh, uh, I, it's quite important and uh, you cannot leave the others out. Uh, I was actually talking about how, how people become sensitive in community level against uh, an employee who, who might be an yeah. So I, I think the, the knowledge base, uh, the knowledge part, and the building of awareness, it, it must not be only at the workplace. Mm -hmm. Because the psychosocial support that that person might get will be at work. But the worst part of things will happen at home. Mm -hmm. Because at home, you know, it, my sister actually gave birth to a boy. But at the age of 25, we started to change it. And we in the family setting, she wa he was not sub I mean, supportive because he, he was a, I mean, a female pet. And it, it took us some time to build our I mean, understanding within the family setting that this is our nephew and we must accept it. And it disturbed him, it disturbed him totally where he was working because he, was, he didn't have a space to come back and be accepted, and as well as the workplace, he was not accepted. So that's why it's very important that we do have these small groups, and we must encourage them, because those are the groups that they can build the best support around any person with any misunderstanding of LGBTI. And this will offer the, 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 the psychosocial support. Definitely. But you're also raising a point that even these issues around LGBT issues, they're not only about LGBT issues because you can be not an LGBT person, but what you can take from it, you can take home and also heal and away. So so that these issues are closer than we actually think. They're not just in one's confined spaces. And that's why I think what you were angry about when you're talking around is around understanding human sexuality actually. So through that lens, people get to normalize every way of being. Oh, yeah, it is uh, just two comments from me. Um, yeah, um, I'm very encouraged in seeing the unions is also joining the fray. So there is definitely hope for South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully that will also draw to other African countries, you know, our, our neighbors also, you know, we'll see uh, progress. It's going to be long. Mm -hmm. I, I feel for my colleagues. It's a good start. It's a, yes. it's a positive start. And, after all these years of, 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 of struggling. So we so we're on the right track of we something. We are definitely, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, 
for to have such a yeah. speak on this yeah. behalf. Yeah. In another setting, we had, I mean, where I work, we had uh, a request from the South African Council of Churches mm. saying, Jay, please come and get us a discussion. We're realizing that we've been hurting people. Mm. And that was, that's colossal. That's amazing mm. that people mm. are now ready to have this conversation mm. and almost things are needed. Mm. So that said, yeah. We're actually working with them, mm. uh, the churches. Mm. Because we notice people put religion and culture mm. uh, before they can discuss. Uh, we, we had them, we had a prayer in place that where we called the priests to lead that prayer. And predominantly we had LGBTI people to be in that. So it's a conversation that we're taking as an organization that uh, because people tend to hide behind the religion. But you will not understand uh, uh, the stereotyping that is there amongst Ethiopians. Okay. And I, I, I think the other thing that we need to influence is the curriculum in terms of training of educators mm-hmm. must change uh, and, and, and be inclusive. Because there's a part in, in, in life orientation where we talk about, talks about sexuality. Instead of talking about that educators tend to run away uh, from addressing that because of their stereotypes and... Uh, but just to, to jump in there also, I mean, to be on their side a bit, well, we've, we've done a lot of work with teachers as well. And, you know, the curriculum, there's ALOs, parameters about sexuality and things like that. And you get them champion teachers who want to talk about it. But what will happen is, like, they will talk about it in class, the kids will go tell their parents, and the parents are the teacher. And now when the teacher is quite firm, but he wants to hold, so that the school can also happen, the school does not suddenly support as well. So then it becomes a very volatile process of saying, how do we support the teachers? In terms of like saying to a parent, this is what the, the, the curriculum says. Of course you get other teachers who will see it, but they will skip it. And in most cases because of the securities of not having support around it. So I'm going to go to the side, and, and, and then we're going to give open clicks. Thank you so much for a really, really great panel. It's really informative. Um, I just want to ask about, I sometimes feel like as LGBT community, we work in silos. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily like, try to reach out to other parts of the community. And, we, and the union is sometimes very untouched. As a, from a community, we don't even think about it. It's their issue. Uh, so how do we actually break that to where LGBT community can actually start engaging with, at the, at the end of the day, it's a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also related to my second question about where, and this is an uh, issue that I'm trying to also figure out, is in countries, and, and I think particularly, for example, Swaziland, where the East government tried to clamping down the civil society space and the right to associate and the right to organize, how does one bring the LGBT topic to the forefront when there's already a broader limitation of the right to associate by, and to organize? So how do we make it current so that people not try to say what you mentioned earlier on about trying to play special rights when we have broader issues here about the freedom of association, but we're trying to make LGBT rights current and bring it to the forefront? I think the way we the approach could be when you when you discuss gender, uh, it should be open so that you, you, you don't have, uh, you make people uncomfortable when you talk, uh, so that you're able to break the barrier. And, and like you said, address all issues when you talk to, to gender, so that you open people's minds. Because on the other hand, you might blame people, but it's out of ignorance and lack of information uh, that we, we must, we, we, we need to bring uh, that conversation in that way then we'll be able, because I can tell you, when I came into Saki, this was a no-no. Uh, and, but I, I am happy, and I always tell people that at least there's a step towards the right direction, that the president of Saki at least is able to talk about this issue. For me, it's a step because it was just a no-no. Uh, you, you wouldn't discuss it in a meeting, but we're able to, to discuss. But the other thing, I think we're also pushed by civil society because they kept on writing to such that uh, here's an issue, we want to have a conversation with you. Uh, how, 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 how do we get you and 
that's why the conversation is such a big organization. Because you can ignore all those letters now. Yeah, exactly. So some sense is also very important. Yes. Alina, do you want to say something to her now? I think two things. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to share with you a story. My sister, my eldest sister, is a, is, is a teacher, actually. And um, she she does life orientation. And, and she's in KZN in Bumbu. So that's where she teaches in, in rural, rural KZN. And she invited me over to, to come talk about being an openly gay man, you know, at the school. And I had a talk with the learners, and firstly with the, the teachers, and talking to them about what it is all about, and then after that with the learners about it. And it, it was very interesting, uh, the, the lack of information that was there because for them, a gay man doesn't wear a suit. A gay man wears a dress and puts on lipstick. That is what they know. You know. So trying to break down those stereotypes that have been learned over years was quite a challenge because here I come in wearing a suit and I self-identify as a gay man and I'm discussing this with them and the teachers are saying no your brother is not gay when a man yeah, yeah, he, doesn't look he doesn't look gay he's playing around with us <laughs> and don't come play with us yeah. so it was that so, type so of discussion it's around going back to all those concepts of what gender is of why gender experience and the thing about also gender as well I mean when people typically think to people gender people think around Body parts. Mm-hmm. People think about what's between the legs. Yeah, yeah. People don't think, of, don't think about what's between the ears. We think about identity. We think about expressions. And identity expressions have nothing to do with body parts. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's 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 we've got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. But it's around talking like in those boardroom meetings or whatever things, starting to make sure that even polit- highly educated people have misinformation. You know what I mean? Basically, people who actually. Um, help create stereotypes they don't know proper in health information so yeah we need to talk about it the last point okay yeah we're running out of time I'm going to ask you for like 10 seconds the issue around society and the closing of spaces by governments it's a reality but I can tell you that there are opportunities and uh, no one actually cannot see the the right time I mean the right time for inclusion is now. So we, we don't have any fear for that. But yes, if you look at the progress that the other countries are doing, Swaziland yes it's behind, but I think we are getting there. Looking at the number of I mean, uh, of people that are coming out and they also come from corporate. It's lawyers. So I think it actually put government in a position to 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 be at ease and accepting uh, LGBT but yes, the role that has been played by civil society is quite clear, and, and, and that's why I'm very happy when we have corporate uh, representatives and as well as the unions, because the unions they have to ensure that they take it up to, to in Southern Africa they take it and make an agenda for South or for South so then Saktu could actually tailor it in a way that it moves to the, to the regional uh, discussions or not in Saturday, in the regional discussions. And then on the other hand, civil society will continue to engage uh, the SADC, um Council of NGOs in regards to the issues of LGBTIs in the region. So there is a room and as long as resources are there, I think we can actually move this yeah. All right, just one last point from the floor okay. and then the closing. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Ten seconds. Yes. 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 Actually, I had a question to my colleagues. I think companies, especially corporate, um, they need to actually plug into media platforms because you know, media platform will fast track information quicker than you know you sitting in as a bunch of teachers, you know, in the union discussing LGBT issues or Michelle, you know, discussing such kind of issues. So if we have like a media platform or companies actually plug into media platforms so that they can fast track the information because 
believe you me, every person that lives in South Africa, everywhere in the world, with a TV man, watch TV. So when we talk about men being in a relationship with another man, that to another person they can see. Like right now, what's happening on the team of the stupid assaults? We see a person that lives, well, on Sophie that lives as an LGBTI person. But what happened, you know, after that, it takes off, you know, the act of being an LGBTI person, it becomes itself. And then when an LGBTI person outside meeting that person, they start acting homophobic. You see? So, so like, I mean, it's such a one for, like, media is very powerful, but also, yes. if media is powerful, what kind of information? Is the information healthy? Or does it perpetuate? Because we know sometimes how media can sometimes perpetuate stereotypes, and then that can also be a backlash for that. So, goes back to that, like even the media platforms, the people who write up those articles, are they sensitized? Is the information they're going to suffer on or not? Do we hold them accountable? So, we need a body that also looks at that in a sense. But I think overall, we are agreeing strongly that more and more education in different kind of formats. And people are ready to have these discussions. Just they don't have spaces. They don't know how to bring up these conversations. So serious to begin is still happening. So as a final sentence, yeah, that's a yes. Maybe just as a um, a point for other companies best mm. practice that we've used. We uh, uh, at IBM we created um, they are called LGBT uh, business forum mm. within IBM. So it includes uh, employees and uh, Managers, first, second level managers, and also policy makers. So every year they sit once a year to review the LGBTI policy specifically at IBM. Yeah, and review and include the HR and people as well, just to say, okay, over the past year, what are the trends or new issues that you saw arising? And, 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 and they discuss that and they look at the policy and amend where they need to amend and build a business case around that for, for adoption by the CEO. So every year, once a year, for example, trans issues. Uh, up until about five years ago, there was nothing on trans in the IBM policies because they are. So there's a lot of work that they've done over the past five and another thing, you know, most of the time we always think we're educating heterosexuals. Even us as LGBTI yeah. employees, I, I was amazed how much I didn't know about trans, mm-hmm. transgender people. And they are part of their, the tea is right next to the end. <laughs> it's like, wow. So, so it's, not just, it's not just educating, you know, people who we think don't know. It's also as well, and the world is changing. People are evolving, so there's new things that are coming as well, and you know, new technologies, all those things. So everyone needs to be at the top of their game. Whether you're gay or lesbian, you don't know everything. You need to constantly keep educating yourself, and, and you know, yes. I mean, like what you're also touching on. I mean, and I'm making also also strongly too. I mean, shall we've got a specific LGBTI network thing in South Africa. But we also have like I mean companies all over Africa as well. So maybe even even also with IPM. But I can see that is there a way on how we can put pressures on other countries, you know, shell whatever country saying like, look, this is happening here and you, we know that you have people in the of course it's sensitive, of course, and you have to be creative around that. But I like to think like whatever I mean South Africa it is a ground where it's you know, on the high, the highest most is okay to do but we know that on the ground is still quite problematic. But it's an amazing space where we can start negotiations and conversations and things like that. But then how, as trade unions, also can you sort of like influence your sister organizations in other countries, for instance, to say, you need to start taking up this or start having a conversation of this or come and strain you so that in your own country you can start having those conversations. So just a few thoughts on that. That's for you. Okay, yeah. so, so one thing that we... we we, we do in, in, in countries is that we, we're very strong on forming partnerships with uh, lobbyist groups. So we, we, we don't go around each other and actually lobby, but we form partnerships with them in terms of them being able to make a difference in those countries. We always say that um, we will always abide to the law of wherever we work in. 
However, we are able to then form those partnerships with the different um, groups. Um, uh, we were very, India, uh, we were very much involved in that in terms of forming partnerships in India with the, the, the local groups in terms of making sure that you know, India becomes more inclusive from the past. And even before the, the, the legislation went up in India, we had already launched an LGBTI network in Shell India two years ago. Amazing. Um, so as to start creating safe space for people who are members of the LGBTI community who work for Shell so that when they come back to the office, as I said, one third of your day is spent in the office and therefore that becomes a secure and protected environment while working on that. Um, we've done the same in some, some of the African countries that we, we are have representation in, in terms of creating those safe spaces in the office. And when we go there, we do talk about diversity and inclusion. The fact that we, we may not talk about um, the LGBT part vigorously, uh, but we do mention in there as well. This is Gay Essay Radio's coverage of the South African LGBTI Business Summit.